0: cults coercion and sexuality in society these are the topics for the frankie files i'm frankie Tees, your host and i'll continue to focus on my own family story as well as news and recovery info for those who've survived especially the adult children of cults new each tuesday see FrankieFilesPodcast.com podcast.com for more Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 61 of Frankie Files Podcast. I'm Frankie Tease. Uh, This one's going to be about adult children of cults. And I just want to say that in writing this episode, I kept thinking of more and more and more things to bullet point after I finished. It really could have gone on and on. So, Knowing that that's what happened to me, I would like to call for your feedback. If you're an adult child of a cult, a cult kid that, you know, was a child grown up in a cult and then has to deal with all of that as an adult now, write the show at frankiefilespodcast.com. Give me your feedback and I'll read it on the air. So in the very early part of season one of this show, I mapped out the weekly plan of this podcast. First Tuesday is Coercion, second Tuesday is Sexuality and Society, third Tuesday, Cults in General, and fourth Tuesday is dedicated to my main demographic, adult children of cults, sometimes called cult kids. In episode 4, I did an introduction to adult children of cults as a topic. We're a lot like adult children of alcoholics, with bad habits of growing up too soon and lack of social development, among other traits. Today I want to loop back around to this topic since I haven't talked about it for a while. This is good for those who are cult kids and those who want to love, know, and understand us. An article I used on episode four is worth reading. Um, It's on tm-free.blogspot.com written by Dr. Knapp, K-N-A-P-P, a family counselor who deals with families and kids coming from transcendental meditation. Dr. Knapp wrote in 2007, quote, The therapeutic needs of adult children of cult members are quite different from those cult members who joined as adults. The primary task of an adult cult member in recovery is to reconnect with his or her persona as it existed before, the, before joining the cult. An ACOC who was exposed to a cult from birth or before, 14 years old, has no pre-cult identity to fall back on. Their plight has received much less attention from cult scholars until recently. He states, in my work with therapy clients who are adult children of cult members, I've been struck by the similarities of their characteristics and those of adult children of alcoholics. I was drawn to explore this connection because I observed that many adult children appeared to protect their parents from any blame for what my clients endured as children and continue to suffer as adults. This tendency is very prevalent among adult children of alcoholics and has been noted in the literature for years. The more I researched ACOAs, the more parallels I've found, he says. And this is interesting for all us cult kids because I want to start with that, you know, hippie, free love cult of the 60s and 70s in the United States. There's a reckoning going on with my demographic. From memoirs to documentaries to declassification of CIA documents surrounding MKUltra, there's a quest for answers as to how we got a couple of generations who are brain injured and mind numbed and whose childhoods were literally robbed from them. California was big for it too, and that's where I'm from. In attempting to heal, the cold kid often encounters resistance to answers from parents and siblings because they were programmed neurally not to talk about it. Secrecy, hypnosis, and repetition programming as well as neuro-linguistic programming were used at close range and with impunity by those new age and alternative religious instructions and leaders. And I want to add that the secrecy is enabled as we are taught to shun each other if we do something wrong. So if someone speaks out against the cult, they're wrong and they need to be shunned. And no one wants to be shunned out in the cult. That enables the secrecy too. It's very important to make a note here that families keep each other silent. It really keeps going and it is done by each other. That's very difficult if you're a cult kid and you want to speak up. Much information has come out about the cognitive damage of being in a trance state for extended periods of time, let alone being in those states for hours as a developing child. I went for documentation on that to VeryWellHealth.com under Mindfulness can be harmful research. Meditation can have an adverse effect, causing some people to re-experience trauma or have trouble sleeping. In a new study examining some of these experiences, 6% of participants who practiced mindfulness reported negative side effects and 14 reported disruptive side effects that lasted for more than a month. The study was published in Midday in Clinical Psychology Science. People don't want to tell you that they were harmed by your treatment. They'd rather lie, Britton says. And the therapist doesn't want to hear it. The researcher doesn't want to hear it. Pretty much no one wants to talk about it. End quote. That silence, she adds, can have real-life consequences, such as perpetuating harm and leaving individuals confused on how or where to get treatment. Here's some bullet points of other long-term effects of meditation and trance, dysregulated arousal, i.e. energy problems, disrupted sleep, wake cycles, anxiety, signs of disassociation, emotional blunting, i.e. feeling emotionless, flashbacks, compromised executive dysfunction, i.e. problems making decisions, memory lapses, cognitive impairment, etc. Social withdrawal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah perceptual hypersensitivity. And I'd like to add, we are often too adaptable. Having been taught, the group is always more important than any individual. We tend to sublimate ourselves as a reflex. This episode is not about the study of trance long-term on cognitive ability of the brain, but that's something I'll be diving more into, and the effects of music used on us in cults. I have a lot of that. And a lot of time spent meditating, so I'm researching tons of it. New Age Meditation and Transcendental Meditation cults explore travel through the mental realm. In my opinion, being exposed to that is a lot for young person. It's a lot of introspection before you even know who you are as a person, thus seeking to form who you are as a person. That's what they want. Young people who were exposed in terms of hundreds of hours to this type of chanting and meditation can really deal with a lot of stuff as adult children of cults. One interesting thing that Dr. Knapp's article talked about is floating. When we feel threatened or do not know what to do, we often, as do many ex-cultists, float or detach into a checked out mental place as a safety mechanism don't know what to do or say, you freeze. The solution is to put our feet back on the ground and learn how to be conscious, even if it is uncomfortable. People who didn't grow up like this don't get it. How can meditation hurt you? And that's the odd part of it. This type of thing shouldn't be happening until our brains are formed, in my humble opinion. Checking out, spacing out, floating, leaving our bodies, can leave you lost emotionally. It really is not discussed much the adverse effects of trying to get away from where you actually are physically by mental escape. The adult child of a cult has to retrain him or herself to stay present where we are in the moment, as many of us from Rajneesh to Children of God to Transcendental Meditation and Scientology have been taught otherwise. When you look back at the brain working overtime as a kid, worrying about things we were too young to consider, before ever realizing how the world works, it seems a cruel trick. The you Files and it was a worldwide experimentation stemming from what seems to be India when the East meets West movement flooded the United States in the 60s. It continued through the entire 70s, relegating most people to ideas of astral travel, trying to soar through the universe, and longing to make contact with outer space life. A hodgepodge of ideas of Eastern religious philosophy and outer space, now a cult kids are in our 40s 50s and 60s and are speaking out more about the strange times we grew up in many through many mediums are doing it and in what i believe is an effort of prevention we have a knee-jerk reaction most of us would not wish the way we grew up on anyone one of the strangest ideas in new age religion eastern philosophy combined and a hip jesus element thrown in is that children are small adults, but we are not small adults as kids. In fact, the impact of being a child in a different society and then, and then leaving to complete your adulthood elsewhere, it's its own shock, let alone the secrecy expected of us about what went on. In fact, from a very young age, we learned how to live a double life, something that's very conflicting mentally. I'd like to get more into that in another episode. I turn to ScienceDaily.com next for a study done on some of the cult kids. ScienceDaily.com under Releases 2013. Their source for this article is British Psychology Society, BPS, 2013. Quote, In her research research, Jill Mitten worked with 262 adults, 95 women, and 167 men who had lived in a religious group as children. Around 70% of the sample lost their family on leaving, 27% reported child sexual abuse, and 68% had found the experience of leaving traumatic. She asked them to complete a battery of psychological measures. The results showed that the average scores of the 264 participants on these measures were significantly higher than the general population. Two other measures, the Group Psychological Abuse Scale and the Extent of Group Identity Scale, were used to assess the group environment and the level of group involvement, respectively, and significant correlations were found between them and all clinical measures. This may mean that specifics of the group environment, coupled with how strong the group's identity is enmeshed with personal identity, are key factors in the causation of distress in this sample. Jill Mitten says second generation adult survivors of high demand groups face particular difficulties, not only during their childhood, but also upon leaving the group because they face assimilation into a culture that is not just alien to them, but also one that they have been taught is wicked and to be hated, End quote. Mm. So true. But now we are that group. We are in the world we were supposed to be not of. It's a mind flux. Dealing with the stress of world change isn't for everyone, and as I've said before, many do not make it through this transition, literally not knowing who to be. It must be similar to living in a new country that you don't know the language of or societal norms of. You are lost and you have to choose who to be, and some don't really get to that point. For me, this happened in early 20s after 12 years in. Not only do you have to start over where you live, because I lived on premise, you have to get a job when you didn't have one before, you have to be without the family you shunned while in there or were separated from, you have to interact with people you have no history with. Over and over, you're expected to have a history so often you have to make up a history that's socially acceptable to explain why you are so weird going to aawa.co i found an article on life after a cult for those who were kids it's called victims to victors a panel discussion from the 2016 icsa conference in dallas texas That's the International Cultic Studies Association. More at icsahome.com. But this article was on aawa.co cults take a further step to control the children in cult families. If older children fail to follow the rules, they will be disciplined emotionally and physically or even cast out of both the family and the cult family often years before the law permits. Children can be shunned by family members and members of the cult and limitations placed on even what the family discusses with the child who has been labeled an unrepentant sinner. Or reverse, the mother can be labeled a sinner and the children coached not to say anything. Back to the article, like abusive families, children raised in cults are taught to never disclose what happens in the group to anyone on the outside. A strict no-talk policy is enforced with threats of punishment. They do not make friends with non-believers. They do not participate in their holidays or other celebrations. They are limited in what they can participate in at school regarding celebrations and extracurricular activities. Between the isolation and the no-talk rule, these children remain very apart from and detached from the non-cult world. This doesn't give them a lot of options if abuse does occur at home or within the cult. Oh yeah, flashbacks there. Sadly, it isn't until many of the children are no longer minors and can legally leave the family home that they begin to contemplate a life outside the group. Then they are forced to struggle with issues regarding how to make friends compared to ready-made friends of the cult members, how to trust people, and who to trust. Many have severe trust issues or trust indiscriminately only to get hurt. In many ways, they feel like foreigners in a new country. There are simple traditions of the country they are in, to learn a different non cult vocabulary, decisions about which beliefs and ethics or moral standards they want to keep and what they need to explore, sexuality, which is often a major issue in cults, and becomes a minefield of if and when and how they want to be sexual. For those who are still virgins, well into their 20s and 30s, it's almost embarrassing to admit their sexual naivete. They struggle. Some turn to addictions and hopefully learn that any addiction will not help them. They need to rise above their past and learn how to function in a healthy manner in the real world today. End of that article. You're listening to the Frankie Files, Files FrankieFilesPodcast.com. And these are important points. How many of you listening have completely started over somewhere, even a different state in life? you're most able to understand what leaving a cult is like. In addition, the financial chokehold can last a lifetime. Not only were we as kids taught only what the cult wanted us to know, the doctrine, the narrative, but we were taught only skills which were needed by the church and group at that time. So the skills we have are spotty. So when you leave, you often leave with zero money. You leave with zero connections to anyone to live with and zero connections on someone who might get or give you a job. It's pretty discouraging stuff and often people commit suicide after the anger and trying to reconcile how mistreated they were. When it hits you that no one around you properly set you up for your future, that this was complete neglect, it can be hard to face. Homeschooling presents yet another huge obstacle. Our common knowledge is ridiculously absent. We do not know regular things like world history, how to get a bank account, how to hold a job, social norms, how to avoid conflict in the workplace, etc. The ultimatums a child faces in his or her cult did not teach them how to think critically, how to look at something skeptically and analytically. There's no room for that in unhealthy religion and cults. Absolutism reigns when there is one ultimate leader. Questioning the doctrine and lifestyle is not allowed. There are many different styles of abusing the kids who were in cults. One of the main ones that Dr. Knapp has outlined in his correlations to adult children of alcoholics is the early parentification of kids. A strange thing that cults and some religions do is say that kids are not kids, that children are little adults. No, they indeed are not. The brain isn't even fully formed until age 21, so yeah, consider that. The cult I was in would say kids are old souls. There was even one kid sat up on a pedestal, a stool, and told, tell us what you know. Our leader would say his wisdom is from other lives and he'll teach us. The problem with that concept is it's a cop-out, to use a 60s term. Saying a kid is a small adult absolves them of taking care of the child properly. It's an excuse, too, to lay hands on them, to expect them to understand things without any life experience. And this is extremely common in many cults. Then the kids worry about their parent more than the parent worries about the kid. Having been full indoctrinated, the parent then begins to neglect the child because they've been told the group will raise them. That attachments are weak, like Sinanon did and others did this, that we are the new family, that the child will remember wisdom from other lives and so forth, really giving the parent permission and encouragement to stop parenting their child. This hippie free love stuff had a devastating effect on millions of young people. And now we're all reaping the seeds of what was sown years ago by church leaders and parents who went along with it in America, that is. That's why I go back to the idea that cult kids have a lot to offer society. I want to encourage those of you who grew up in cults to speak up and often. Those of us who experienced totalism, fascism, and one-party ruling, the complete loss of self in the group, the reorganization of family to suit the desires of the group leader, the self-sacrifice, which really was child sacrifice, family sacrifice, that unique perspective we have of humans going so far off the rails that logic is lost. This is some of the wisdom we have to bring, even though a lot of times it feels that society doesn't want to hear it and just wants to razz someone who's different than them. Take heart, fellow cult kids. Your wisdom is shared with millions of others who survived what we did. Warning society in a quiet or loud way of groupthink, totalism, lack of critical thinking, the dangers of being a true believer. This is one thing we have to give and educate others in. I personally am inspired by voices like Daniela Mastinek, who are loud and strong about group behavior, author of Uncultured, about her time in Children of God and the U.S. Military at War. These voices give me such hope that we can help future generations stop treating their kids like small adults. Kids are kids it's high time that religion stop using any doctrine to deprive young people of their lives just so they can get that project done or get that unwanted sex they desire. Kids shouldn't be slaves before they ever understand the world and religions of the world. But let's talk the United States exploitation of young people. The amount of sheltering, slavery, isolation, and abuse of children in religion must be examined and known. We can shout it from the rooftops to those who will listen. A child should never have to suffer their parents' religious choices. A child should have the same right that everyone deserves, freedom from religion. Not sure how our laws will be changed to protect children, but I do hope to see this in my lifetime. Thanks for listening to the show. Please take a moment to rate and review the show where possible to donate and support to the show. Please see FrankieFilesPodcast.com where you will also find contact information and keep critical thinking. If you would like information on Colts in the News, please join my new Substack, .substack frankietes.substack.com.